Praise the Lord. Wow. I'm so excited about what's going on here. This has been very encouraging to me. I'm going to tell you that I have been in many, many churches. This year, about every year, uh, we keep a full schedule. That means every week we're in another church. Next week we'll be in Arlington, the following week we'll be in Birch Bay, and then we head to California, to New Mexico, then back to Texas, preaching all over Texas until uh, the new year, into the month of January, and then we're back on the road, the East Coast, and all over the place, preaching the Word of God, and it's a delight, but I'm going to tell you, and I don't want you to forget this, this church speaks to my heart in a great way. I have seen this church when you were in the park. Just a few people. And then to see what God has done here. And then to think about that building. It takes faith. And many of you have seen God work. And when you get to the place where you like God working... Get ready, because he's going to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or even think. And you're going to go, wow, look what God did. And we rejoice in that. Take your Bibles. Would you go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 2? Let's stand together for the reading of God's word. We had a great marriage seminar and just thrilled about the couples that were there. And it's good to see them back this evening, and we certainly want to help and encourage each one that's here tonight uh, in taking a giant step for God. That's the title of my message, Taking a Giant Step for God. Let's notice in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. Notice, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of what? Disobedience. You knew what it was like to be unsaved and disobedient. Among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lust of our flesh, what were we doing? We were fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Underline that verse, that word right there. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, Ye are saved. Notice, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward who? Us. Through who? Christ Jesus. For by grace. Are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his, what? 
workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto what? Good works, which God hath before ordained that we should what? Walk in them. Our Heavenly Father, speak to us this evening. What a joy and treasure it's been to be among these dear people. The joy of fellowshipping with the pastor and his wife and seeing what God has placed upon their hearts. Oh God, you have great things in store for these dear people. And they are your workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I pray that you would get a hold of our hearts tonight. Loose us from the moorings of our dependency upon self. And fill us with the power of rising up and taking a giant step for God. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. What does it mean to take a giant step for God? You know, it's interesting. Most people, when they get saved, they, they take a little step like this. And then they take a little step like this. And then they go backward. You ever see Christians do that? They keep going backwards instead of forward. But what would it mean for a Christian to come to a place in their life where they're saying, man, I want to take a big step for God. I want to step out by faith. Oh, the preacher's supposed to. But all of us are supposed to live by faith. All of us are supposed to trust God. I was uh, watching uh, a, a, a thing on Facebook one day. A man by the name of Nick Walenda. I don't know whether that rings the bell with you or not, but Nick Walenda uh, claims to be a born-again Christian, but he likes to do um, uh, tightrope walking. And so they put a big cable... Oh my, I think it was over 15, let me get it right here, a quarter of a mile walk. Uh, 1,500 feet above the Grand Canyon on a tightrope that was only two inches wide. No net. No, no cable protection. Just out there walking. You say, wow, I wish I could do that. Now, I know some of you say, I would never do that. <laughs> that guy is nuts. Well, he got done doing that great walk, and he said, I, I thank the Lord Jesus. And he was thanking the Lord, and then there became a big theological debate over whether God would want you to do something like that. And would he protect you if you launched out like that and did that? Well, they're, they're still debating that one, but... I, I want to say this, um, he stepped out and he was fine. I noticed another one that they did on Times Square. This time, uh, his daughter was out there as well and they were both walking the tightrope and I got thinking, wow, boy, that, that, that takes a lot of guts to do something like that. Uh, either that or they're absolutely out of their mind. Uh, why would anybody think of wanting to do something like that? And some would criticize them and some would go, wow, 
And then when it's over, it's over. There's nothing to it after it's over. You ask yourself the question, what good was it? Well, it was entertaining, no doubt. <laughs> and as I'm watching it on my phone, my, you know, my heart is in my throat. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm like, you know, watch it, watch it now. Be careful. Hoo, hoo, there you go. And you get this feeling like, I can't believe he's doing this. But I give him credit for one thing. He stepped out. And I think it's time for Christians to rise up and take a step of faith in God. Take a step of faith to believe that God can do things that he is longing and wanting to do in our lives. In this passage in Ephesians chapter 2, it shows that they were quickened. They were lost people. They were lost in the darkness of this world. They were disobedient. They had no direction. Their lives were wrecked and ruined by sin, but they came to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And they were born again by the mighty power of God. And their life became a treasure of God. To where they were now not only citizens of heaven, but they were also those that God would use to further His great cause in this world. Did you know anybody that gets saved gets saved because somebody shared the gospel with them? It's because missionaries are supported by churches like this that they are able to go out and fulfill the mission that God has given them to, to do to reach a part of the world that we could never go to, but we can send them to do it. They take a step of faith. We take a step of faith. We trust the Lord for the things to further the cause of Jesus Christ, whether it be sending out 157 tracks yesterday or knocking on 157 doors yesterday and getting a chance to share the gospel with people. Whatever we do, we are doing it as a step of faith, trusting God to help us to do it. Now, it's interesting to me that there are many people that take steps. They make a decision to do something. There are some that take a decision, make the decision to start taking drugs. That's a decision. It wrecks and ruins their life, but they do it. Some become alcoholics, drunkards. Some get involved in all kinds of wicked and debauchery things, and they stepped out. They did what they probably knew they shouldn't do, but they did it anyway. And those people need the Lord, and we must go to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are some things that we as Christians ought to take a step of faith to do. We ought to get rid of our sins. Wouldn't that be a great step of faith? Maybe some of you here this evening are being plagued with a habit, a bad habit. Maybe something you're doing in your life that's hindering God's blessing in your life because you're, you're doing things that you ought not to be doing. Why don't you take a step of faith and stop doing that one thing that you think you can't have victory over? Some people don't want to have victory. And thus they go week in, year in, year out, decade in and decade out, never getting victory in their life because they won't take that step to say no to what I'm doing that is wrong and displeasing to the Lord. There are other things that we could do. How about getting baptized? <laughs> Some people get saved, they got their ticket to heaven, but they don't think it's important to follow the Lord and believers' baptism. Usually people like that never really grow in the Lord and never accomplish anything for God because they're not be obedient in the simple things. How hard is it to follow the Lord in believers' baptism? Amen. There was a lady that wanted to get baptized, but she was scared to death of water. 
And so uh, the pastor finally said, you know, you really ought to do this. She goes, I know I do. And finally, boy, she surrendered. I'm going to do this. And so they got in the baptistry. And uh, she's getting ready to go under. He said, have you, believed, have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And she said, yes. And he said, uh, uh, upon the authority of God's word, uh, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost and buried in the likeness of his death. And when she went to bring him down, as soon as she went under, she grabbed his tie. And she was a good-sized woman. And she went to pull herself up. Well, he wasn't as big as she was, and so here they are, rotating in the baptistry. But she got baptized. I don't know whether that, pa the pastor told me, he said, I will never wear a tie unless it's one of those clip ties. That will not happen again. Amen. She took a step of faith. Oh, what about serving the Lord and maybe teaching a Sunday school class or getting involved in the service of the, of the, of the uh, food service or whatever it may be, getting involved in taking a stand and saying, I'm going to start supporting missions. I'm going to start doing some things that will, will, will help the church to grow and see what God can do. And I want to believe that every one of you, at some time in your life, maybe some of you, your first step was you got saved. Boy, if you haven't taken that step yet, boy, I would encourage you, when the invitation is given tonight, just slip out of your seat and come and we'll have someone show you from the Bible how you can be saved, how you can have the assurance that you know without a doubt you're on your way to heaven. The greatest step you'll ever take is the step of salvation. Can I get one amen on that? Amen. Is this the North Country? People are pretty quiet up here. Is this, this is Southern Canada. You should be shouting. If, if you're in Southern Canada, right? You go down to the states and the southern people, boy, they woo, glory, preach. Then you go to the north country of the United States and they're like, bless me if you can. <laughs> they're more reserved and more quiet. But oh, I want to tell you, when you get saved, that's exciting, amen? In fact, I've never gotten over it. And I want others to experience it as well. I want to take you over to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Would you turn there with me quickly? Hebrews chapter 11, there is so much material here. I can only scratch the surface of it. But beginning there in uh, verse 4, the Bible says that Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. There in verse 4, by the which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Do you remember the sacrifice that Abel made? It was a blood sacrifice. It was... Uh, it was a, uh, 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 an illustration of the atoning blood of the Lamb, which would make a covering for the sins of the people. Later, the Lord Jesus came and shed His blood. And when He shed His blood, and He didn't just atone for our sins, but He cleansed us from our sins. Amen. Amen. He didn't just cover our sins up. Uh, he cleansed us from those sins. And what a thrill. But you know what it cost Him, didn't it? Cain didn't like the fact that Abel, uh, Abel's offering uh, sacrifice was accepted and his was not. He offered some fruit and vegetables, a very, no doubt, a very nice display of these things. But what God was looking for was a sacrifice, a sacrifice for the sin of Cain. And ultimately, Cain slew his brother and, and became a vagabond in the land. 
And it just shows you the direction where one can take, the other one won't take, and the results are extremely different. Abel went directly to be with the Lord. Cain, no doubt, is in hell because of a wrong decision that he made, taking vengeance into his own hands and ultimately slaying his brother. But Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And I want to say to you this evening that many Christians have literally been killed, martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ because they took a stand. I love that song that they sang tonight. Wasn't that a blessing? You say, well, it could cost you your life for taking a stand. We don't want to talk about that, do we? We want to talk about all the wonderful things that come with being saved and all of that. But you know what? There are people, Christians, that are dying for the cause of Jesus Christ all over this world. And here we are, in a sense, protected from a lot of that. And, and, and often we, we fail to appreciate the freedom that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice in verse 5, Enoch was translated. But before his translation, he had this testimony that he did what? He pleased God. Don't you want to please God? Honestly. If you believe there's a God in heaven, a God that sent His Son to die for our sins, that is able to save unto the uttermost, don't you think that we ought to absolutely please the Lord with our lives? The Bible says, And whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do it all to the glory of God. You know, Enoch was translated, he was taken out early. It's an illustration of the rapture that one day will come. And uh, I, don't know, I don't know what his wife did. That was one of the questions I have when I get to heaven. You know, how did his wife handle the Lord taking him out like that? Apparently, the Lord and him were walking along, and the Lord must have said, it's closer to my place than it is yours. And off to heaven they went. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? The same thing happened with Elijah. And uh, he, was, he was taken up in a chariot of fire. Wow, can you imagine the excitement of that? And the mantle fell, and it fell on Elisha. And he did twice the miracles that, that Elijah did uh, because of the power of God. And I want to say to you that the power that we see down through human history and the biblical account of what happened in this world uh, down through the centuries of time and the millennials of time uh, we find that the same God that they served, we serve. We, would, we should never forget the mighty powerful God that we have in this day. And may we step out for God and take a stand. You know, if you'll notice in verse 7, Noah prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Noah prepared an ark to the saving of his family. And he was preaching 120 years as he built that ark, trying to get those people to come on board with him. But they laughed at him. They mocked him. You know, some people don't want to get saved because they're afraid. What would my friends think? I'd rather be concerned about what God thinks. Uh, you know, it's amazing. Some people have been able to lead many of their friends to Christ because they took a stand for Christ. I was preaching in a church in Texas and a young lady that had been married only a few, uh, about six months, came up to me after, uh, before the service started on the, on the beginning of our revival. And we did a Sunday through Wednesday. 
And she said to me, Brother Knickerbocker, you've never met me, and I've never been in a revival before. I don't even know what it is. And she said, I'm looking forward to it. And I said, well, I'm glad you're here, and I know God will speak to your heart. I'm talking about a brand new Christian, one that had just gotten saved. We went through that meeting. At the end of the meeting, she came up to me the last night, just before I was packing up my book table to leave. And she said, you know, Brother Knickerbocker, she said, I got saved about six months ago. Last week, my mother told me, take your phone and take all of the numbers of your family off your phone and don't you contact us again until you get over this religious garbage. She said, you wouldn't believe what the battle that was going in my heart before this meeting. Whether I should just say, forget this coming to church and living for God and following the Lord in baptism and serving the Lord. And she said, I almost was willing to give that up that I might be able to be with my family again. But she said, because of this meeting, she said, I feel sorry for my family. She said, they're hellbound. And they need the Lord Jesus. And I must live the life and pray to God that He would save my family so that they can be with me in heaven. And I thought, wow. You talk about taking a giant step for God. She took it that week, didn't she? And she's waiting on her family to come to Christ. I need to get back in touch with that pastor and see how things are going. But I'm simply saying to you that God wants us to take a step of faith and trust Him for great things. Won't it be wonderful the day that she gets saved, that her family gets saved? I remember I came home from the college where I was teaching and directing and my wife was crying. Now that was the first time, I think, in our marriage that I ever came home and caught my wife crying. And I said, honey, what's wrong? And she said, you wouldn't understand. Now fellas, when the wife says that, you're all ears, amen? And I said, what's wrong? She said, all your family's saved and my family's dying and going to hell. And here we are down here in Texas training these young men and women for the gospel ministry. And my family's up there in New England dying and going to hell. Boy, we prayed together. We held hands and we prayed there in the living room. Oh God, please save. And we were specifically praying for David, her brother, who was, had been sent home and was ultimately going to die. In fact, hospice said, uh, let us know when you get to the place where there's, you can't function and then, then we'll bring in hospice. But they knew it was just a matter of time. They couldn't help him. There was nothing they could do. But God. But God did something. God heard her prayer. God told a man in that town where David lived to have a yard sale. Amen. Don't tell me God doesn't work in the intricate details of our lives. Betty, my sister-in-law, went to the yard sale and she saw something she wanted, but she wanted David to look at it before she bought it. And she said, David, do you feel up to going down? So with his walker, he went to the yard sale. And he told the man that was having the yard sale, I'm dying. 
The doctors have sent me home and it's just a matter of time. And you know that deacon said, could I have a Bible study with you in your home? He said, sure, come on over. That deacon led my brother-in-law to Christ. And my sister-in-law. They both got saved. And we're over on the Queen Mary there in Long Beach. I'm preaching over there in Long Beach. And we got a phone call. And Betty had called and said, uh, Ann, I wanted you to know that David passed away today. We were expecting the call. We didn't know when it was going to happen. And oh man, my wife's heart was broken when she heard those words. You know what I mean? Especially since she'd been begging God to do something. She didn't know about it. She said, oh, by the way, David and I both got everything straightened out with God. We both have accepted the Lord. And man, you talk about tears. You talk about joy. (laughs) Amen. What if she hadn't gotten on her face crying out to God? God spoke to the guy that was doing the art sale. God told Betty, you need to buy that. Go check with David if he should get it, if you should get it. And then he comes down and God, you see how God put everything together? Let me tell you something. God is wanting to do great things. But somebody's got to step out by faith. Somebody's got to say, Lord, save my brother. Lord, save my family. Lord, do a mighty work in our church. We must come to the place in our lives where we are not afraid to prepare the work of God and do what God wants us to do, that we might see a great victory. Abraham stepped out by faith into a land that he knew not of. There in verse 8, Sarah laughed. Remember when they found out she was supposed to, uh, that she would have a child? They waited 24 years to have a child, and she was barren, couldn't have any children. But then God opened her womb and gave her a child. She, didn't, she quit laughing. She quit laughing. And she started believing. You know something? The devil wants to put in our minds, this can't be done. There's no way we can do this. I could never stay true to a step of faith. And that's just the devil trying to keep you from doing what you know you ought to do. Isn't that something? Why don't you tell the devil to take a hike? Amen? Amen. Why don't you determine that you're going to do what God wants you to do? Because it is greater to go with God than it is ever to go with the devil. It's always greater to please God than it is even to please yourself. Oh, that we might find pleasure in God and find Him to be the all-sufficient one. I could go on and on through here. Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Every one of us need to quit living for the world and the flesh and the devil and, and live for God with all of our heart. How long do we have? We don't think about it much. If you knew the Lord was coming back next week, would you get anything taken care of this week? You bet you would. If you weren't saved, I think you'd be ready to be saved. And the Bible says we don't know when the Lord's coming back. It could be tonight. In an hour when ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. The Bible also says he's going to come as a thief in the night. I've never had a thief come by and say, hey, I'll be over tomorrow night about 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to clean you out. No, they don't do that. The Lord said, I'm going to come in the twinkling of an eye. It's going to be quick. And, and, and you're not going to have time to get ready if you're not ready. And that's why we always, at the end of the service, give an appeal for people to come and accept Jesus Christ. For Christians to take a step of faith in their life and begin to get victory in the power of God upon their life. What are we going to do in the coming days? 
to say, Lord, would you help me? Well, from what he said, I can't do it without the Lord, really. Right? Lord, move me forward. Help me to go each step of the way. Help me not to take any backward steps. Help me not to get backslidden. Help me not to doubt God. Help me not to limit the Holy One of Israel. Help me to go forward to accomplish all that God wants me to accomplish. Every one of us are going to make a decision tonight. Every one of us. You're either going to say yes to the Lord or you're going to say no. I don't make the final decision. Your pastor can't make the final decision for you. It's your decision. What are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with the future of your life? What steps of faith are you going to ask God to help you to make so that you can really experience the filling of God's power in your life to where you can say, God did it. I went to church and I left different. Because God touched my heart. Because I was willing to say, Lord, touch my heart. Don't you think He's longing to? Don't you think He wants to do something great in your life? Don't you expect that if you take a stand for Christ, that He'll go with you all the way? He'll lead you and direct you all the way. God doesn't forsake us when we step out by faith. In fact, I think it charges Him up. Can you imagine a holy God that hangs the world on nothing, standing there waiting for you to do something? Don't you think He's wanting to do something in your life? Why don't you let Him do it tonight? Why don't you just give in and let God have His way in your life? Let's bow together in prayer while heads are bowed and eyes are closed.